and a very warm welcome once again to the Nightlight Podcast. John Patrick is my guest on the program today. John's worked with refugees in the Middle East for many, many years. He's also a Bible teacher and now author of Triumph in Tribulation, which you can easily find on Amazon. I sat with John on his recent visit to Uganda to ask him about his book. Nightlight's Interview of the Week. First of all, thank you for having me, Chris. And it's wonderful to be here in the studio with you. Nice to see you again, John. About the book, it came as a result of uh, meeting Christians in Africa and later in the USA, both making unwise financial decisions, thinking the rapture could happen any minute. I've studied the Bible for over 50 years, and I never saw pre-tribulation rapture in the Bible. In fact, for years, I had in the back of my Bible seven chapters, seven different chapters showing that Christians would go through tribulation. So I decided to uh, write a book based on that. While I was in the States, some Christians said, oh, Jesus, come back any minute now. It's so exciting. And uh, I said to them, well, why do you think that way? Where I live, I see Christians suffering in Afghanistan. I work in the Middle East, Syria, Iraq. I read about the Christians in China. I see Christians suffering in Egypt. Why do we think we will be exempted from difficulties like our brethren in the Middle East and elsewhere, and Christians of all history? Paul said clearly, it's given in 2 Timothy 12, it's all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Philippians 1.29, it's given us to us on the behalf of Christ to suffer for his name's sake. Jesus himself said in John 15.20, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. In John 16.33, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So I see it clearly in the Bible, and besides a specific verse about the end time, which I'll share with you shortly, that Christians will go through tribulation. Lighting your path through the end times. You're with Nightlight. Before we start, though, on this, I always like to share the happy ending. Because people, when they hear about the end time, the end of the world, they seem to get fearful. They think, our comets can strike the earth, it's going to blow up. And, but it's not really the end of the world. It's the end of man's world. That's right. Jesus comes back and takes over the world. It says it very clearly in Revelation 11. 15, mm-hmm. the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So it's so like a worldwide takeover. You see the same thing in the parables where Jesus says, if you've been faithful in a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus takes over the world, he's going to put his people in charge, mm-hmm. and the world be run the way it should be. Man shall learn war no more. It'll be a world of perfect peace. The lion shall lie down with the lamb. There'll be enough plenty for everyone. Praise God. And it also says in Revelation 17, 14, the Antichrist and his forces, these shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. Mm-hmm. So before we even start the subject of great tribulation, I like to let people know there is a happy ending. Mm-hmm. It's not as fearful as you think. Christians throughout centuries suffered tribulation, and this will be a great tribulation because it'll be a worldwide persecution of the saints, right? of the believers, of the elect, of those of all faith. Even there'll be persecution of Muslims and Jews who believe mm-hmm. in God because the Antichrist will set himself up in the temple of God, Second mm-hmm. Thessalonians chapter 2, showing himself to be God. 
Finally, the devil will want the worship of man, but once again, the devil will fail. He's already defeated. Satan is the defeated foe. We have nothing to worry about. Amen. And I sort of look at the tribulation period as a time when God will be tribulating those who mm-hmm. trouble us, as Paul said in Second Thessalonians 1.6. Mm-hmm. Right. You see some of these uh, tribulation trumpets of Revelation 8 and 9. Very fearful, but the fifth trumpet talks about these locusts coming out mm-hmm. of the bottomless pit. And it says they will tribulate those, persecute those, mm-hmm. bother those who do not have the seal of God in their forehead. Mm-hmm. And we have the seal of God in our foreheads. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. Ephesians 1.13. So what do we have to worry about? It'll be a time you'll read about later in Daniel 11 where we'll be teaching many, instructing many. I think it'll be a time of miracles. So I tell people, look forward to the Great Tribulation because it'll be the happy ending of the mess the world's in. This is not always my favorite subject, and I didn't really plan to write a book about it. It's just because these people are making these unwise decisions. I feel it's much more important that we emphasize, say, Matthew 25, that we're filled with the oil of the Spirit, that we're ready for the coming days, yes. or that we're walking closer to Jesus, abiding in Christ. But there seems there's such an interest in this ever since the Syrian civil war, mm. which the Muslims believe the end time will happen like the Syrian war is their Armageddon. Really? So there's great interest in that. Then with the pandemic and now with the Russian-Ukrainian war and people talking about nuclear war continually in the paper, they're talking about if there's a war up to 5 billion people could die. I mean, the world isn't thinking the unthinkable, imagining the un- unimaginable. Mm. It's terrible what they're talking about considering limited nuclear strikes and that. It's crazy. So there's a great interest, and I taught it a bit while I was here in Africa. So let me just share with you what I used to have in the back of my Bible yes. for years. It's seven different chapters that show we will be going through tribulation. And we'll start with Matthew 24. I call Matthew 24 the one, two, three of the end time. Jesus outlines it so simple. It's so clear. After all, look, Jesus is coming back. Mm-hmm. He loves us. Amos in the Old Testament said, surely the Lord God will do nothing except to reveal his secrets to the ser- his servants, the prophets. We don't have to worry. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, we are not in darkness that that day should overtake mm-hmm. us as a thief. We're the children of light. We will have light, and Jesus cast so much light on the subject. The disciples asked him for a sign of thy coming. Jesus answered with 10, 15 signs, mm-hmm. wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, people's hearts becoming cold, gospel being preached, false Christ. But then he gets very specific. And this is one, two, three. It shows you what will happen. Here we go. Point number one. Matthew twenty four fifteen, It says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Okay, so when you see it, the abomination of desolation, whatever that it is, could be the same as the image of the beast in Revelation 13. It could be some type of supercomputer with right. all the information of every inhabitant of the world who's taken the mark of the beast, who hasn't could be a new technology that we right now don't even know mm-hmm. exists. Okay, so when you see that, verse 21.2. 
For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. When is the great tribulation? When you see the abomination of desolation. Mm -hmm. Point number three, Matthew 24, verses 29 to 31. It's very fascinating. Jesus turns the lights off the world so the world can see his glorious second coming. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give a light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Here it is, the rapture. The elect, the believers, are gathered together from the one end of heaven to the other immediately after the tribulation of those days. So I'd call that the one, two, three principles of the end time. When you see the abomination of desolation, verse 15, Matthew 24, 15, verse 21, then shall be great tribulation, and immediately after the tribulation of those days, after, so clear as can be, Jesus wrote it crystal clear, then and only then shall he send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet to gather together his children from all four corners of the earth. That shows there's believers existing at the very end of time, end of man's time on earth, from every corner of the earth. That's right. So the Antichrist will no way, shape, or form be able to wipe out the believers of God. Wow, that's right. So Jesus said, when you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, whosoever reads this, let him understand. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 7, verses 21 to 25, where he talks about a great beast, a horn, different names they use for the Antichrist, mm -hmm. making war with the saints. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. So here you have some fascinating information about the Antichrist and how to recognize him, but notice 21 and 22. The same horn made war with the saints and prevailed. He overcomes them physically. He may close down all the churches, uh, the cathedrals. He prevailed until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. So here he is fighting against the saints until the very end of time. And he wears out the saints. It says he speaks great words against the Most High. To me, I find that fascinating because Hitler was a master of words. Him and his 
propaganda man. By speaking great words, Hitler set the whole world into war, World War II. So the Antichrist will have that attribute. And they shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He's going to wear us out. So that's Daniel 7. Let's move to Daniel 8, 23 and 24. This is the third chapter and gives you more information about the Antichrist too, how to recognize him. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, satanic power. Now, this can be a little bit fearful here. He shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. If we balance this with some other verses in Revelation chapter 12, it's obvious he does not totally destroy. Hmm. Again, I think here, Daniel was taken prisoner to Babylon, missed the Israeli kingdom, the Jewish kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, just like the early apostles, they're all looking forward towards this physical mm. kingdom of Israel. When Jesus was ascending to heaven, they said, when you would come back and restore the kingdom. So Daniel's seen here the physical power of the church being destroyed, but not catching the incredible spiritual power that we will have with mm. the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do than he did. Mm -hmm. So he will not be able to destroy the spiritual power of the church. Yes. Now this is interesting. He will have a king of fierce countenance. The Antichrist will have a fierce countenance here, speak great words. I find it rather disturbing, and I put this in my book, that Christians spend so much time trying to guess who the Antichrist is. That's right. I call this the Antichrist guessing game. In 400, one of the early church fathers was convinced that the Roman Empire was the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. So he must be 1,700 years old now. <laughs> Martin Luther thought the Pope was Antichrist. Mm -hmm. Pretty young, 500 years old. Since I was born, Gene Dixon predicted we'd see him. I've heard so many different popes, presidents, leaders of Russia, Saddam Hussein, all people predicted they're the Antichrist. I think this is a serious mistake of Christians. We waste so much money on books and conferences on this. I think Christians would do the world a lot more good if instead of trying to guess who the Antichrist is, we go out and do what Jesus said, feed the poor, take care of the hungry. We overemphasize Matthew 24. We neglect Matthew 25. Matthew 24 is the end time such a brief little period of history. Important, yes. It's in the Bible. It talks about it. But Matthew 25 is their eternal questions. Wow, that's right. We don't want to be one of those five foolish virgins mm -hmm. who didn't have our oil filled. We weren't abiding in Christ. We weren't living close to Jesus. We weren't walking in humility. All these beautiful things in the Bible, the fruits of the Spirit, we weren't developing them, but we were more interested in putting a a label on every horn of the beast. When the time comes, God will reveal it if we know the word, if we're walking close to Jesus. And then Matthew 25, more if you extend further into that, it talks about the judgment day. And what does Jesus ask at the judgment day? Did you know every horn on the beast? No, he said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. John 21, Jesus said three times to Peter, 
Usually when Jesus says something two times, it's really important. Martha, Martha, Simon, Simon, three times. Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. This needs to be our major focus. And we would be so much more ready for the second coming of Jesus if we lived that way. Shining Love's Light. You're listening to Nightlight. So here we have first chapters of Matthew 24, second Daniel 7, third Daniel 8, fourth chapter is Daniel 11. And let's read verse 36 first. Get a picture of the Antichrist here, what he's doing in Daniel 11. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. So there we have him again, the Antichrist, speaking great things and prospering, just like Daniel 8, until the wrath of God. And remember it said in Daniel 8.24, he was destroyed without hand. How is he destroyed? By the second coming of Jesus. Second Thessalonians 2 Verse 8, he is destroyed by the brightness of his coming. So we really don't have too much to worry about. We know we're on the winning side. Yes. And this is a privilege, as you see right now, to go through great tribulation. Okay, Daniel eleven thirty one and 32. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Here we are in great tribulation. The Antichrist is here. We're strong and we're doing exploits. This is why I call the book Triumph in Tribulation. We are to be winning victories, great victories. We'll be strong. Verse 33, And they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by spoil many days. This could be our greatest time of teaching that we ever had. I don't think we'll be instructing many in the big, large cathedrals and churches. Right. But probably be home churches packed just like how early Christianity spread throughout the whole known world from house to house. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll be in the villages, small towns, teaching away. Verse 34. Now when they shall fall, they shall be holpen with a little help, and many shall cleave to them with flatteries. When I see this verse, now when they fall, they should be holpen with a little help. I imagine Jesus in the garden, his last hours, praying, sweating blood, an angel came and ministered to him. Right. I think when you have angels and supernatural help helping us in the last days. In verse 35, again, listen closely, it shows right until the time of the end, we're here. And some of them of understanding shall fall, to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed even to the time of the end. Here we are falling. And the falling is a blessing. Why do we fall? To test us, to purge us, and to make us white. Like Job 23.10 said, He knows the way that I take. When he tried me, I shall come forth as gold. 
And Peter talked about that in several places, that the trine of our faith is more valuable than gold. So during those last days, we will not be worrying about the latest Netflix, what this singer or that politician is doing. We will be being made the bride of Christ. It's interesting in Revelation 19.7, 7, it says, The marriage of the Lamb is come, for his wife hath made herself ready. That's right. We need to do stuff to make ourselves ready. And I think the Lord is sending this tribulation to help us make yes. ourselves ready because we're so distracted by so many other things instead of focusing on Jesus. He's our first love. Remember in Book of Revelations, he said, I have summoned against thee because you have left your first love. That's right. So God is doing us a privilege through great tribulation. You see it all through the Bible. You read about any persecutions. Israel has trouble, then they seek the Lord. God seems to be doing us a favor. Shining bright through the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. Okay, the next verse is Acts 14, 22. I'll just quote it. It's just one verse. It says, We, through much tribulation, must enter into the kingdom of God. And that was Paul talking to the churches. Paul's life was nonstop trouble and tribulation. That's right. Look at the fruit he bore. It's sort of like in Hebrews 11, verse 35. It talks about this old saints of the Old Testament. It says, They waxed valiant in fight. The fight is what makes you shine. This fight is going to make us brilliant, shine like we've never shined before, where our lights will be shining. Yes. Okay, the sixth reference is in sixth chapter, pointing that we go through tribulation, is in Revelation 11, verses 3, 5, and 6. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth, and if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. That sounds so much like Moses with Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. The majority of the plagues, I think seven out of ten plagues, the first three plagues hit everyone. The next seven plagues only hit the Egyptians. God protected them. And we see the same thing happening in Revelation chapter 9 on the fifth trumpet. It does not touch us. And here we have right in the Antichrist headquarters. It says he, in other places in the Bible, says very clearly, Daniel 11, verse 44, 45, he invades Jerusalem, sets his palace up in Jerusalem, but here we have right in his city two great prophets of God operating and the Antichrist cannot touch them. They will have some type of supernatural protection. And I think God put that there to encourage us because a lot of us will have that same supernatural protection. Wow. Like Jesus in the garden when they came to arrest him. One of the Gospels records the people came, they all just fell back. That's right. We will have supernatural protection because God will want us witnessing and winning more because it's not God's will that any should perish. He wants us to win people in the tribulation. Who knows? Perhaps people have the mark of the beast in their hand. We can even witness to some of them and convince them to take the chip out of their hands. God knows what will be happening. 
And it's interesting, it was 1,260 days. That's like 42 months, three and a half years. In the next chapter, the final chapter, Revelation 13, 5 through 7, God says, or John says, the same time period, 42 months, three and a half years, the Antichrist will make war against us. And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. It was given him power to make war with the saints. We're here on this earth. Now, some people say this is the Jewish saints, the Jews that become converted in the last days. But still, I don't see any secret rapture of the Christians. I mean, challenge me. Show me a Bible verse. I mean, be like the Bereans. Put your comments below. Acts chapter seventeen eleven. They search the scriptures to see if these things were so. Be like the Bereans. Right. It says he has power over all kindreds and tongues and nations. That means he'll be the most powerful man on the earth. But think about it. Remember communist Russia in the 19, late 79, 78, they invaded Afghanistan. They ruled Afghanistan for 10 years. All the might of the Soviet Union. They could not take over the villages of Afghanistan. That's right. The Muslims who believed in God did not want a communist society. They were living in the villages, the mountaintops, then later, America, the mightiest, the lone superpower of the earth, for 20 years occupied Afghanistan, and they could not stop the sincere Muslim believers. How much more us with the power of the Holy Spirit? The Antichrist may be the strongest man on the face of the earth, mm -hmm. but he will not be able to control every village, town, and I think personally entire nations will be rebelling mm -hmm. against him. Because if you read the end of Daniel 11, he has war, after war, after war. So whole nations could be resisting the mark of the beast. As I said, it could be our time of greatest power, greatest witness. John, a favorite verse that's often used to try to show that Christians are not here during the tribulation is the scripture that says, we're not appointed unto wrath. But it seems they don't understand the difference between the tribulation judgments of Revelation chapter 8 and 9, for which the church is here on earth, and the vials of the wrath of God, as described in Revelation 16, which are poured out on the earth after the rapture and before the battle of Armageddon. So it's true, we are not appointed unto wrath. Of course, it's very true. We're not appointed to wrath. Revelation 16 is the wrath of God mm -hmm. when he pours the seven vials mm -hmm. upon the earth. Mm -hmm. We will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the judgment seat of Christ, receiving our rewards. We will not be there during the wrath of God, but we are there in Revelation 8 and 9. That's right. The tribulation trumpets. There's seven right. trumpets, Revelation 8 and 9, and there's seven vials of wrath, Revelation 16. There's an incredible difference do a close study. And remember when you read Revelation 8 and 9, a lot of that will be upon the wicked. It will affect us, you know, the green grass will be burnt and all that. But in Revelation 12, verses 6 and 14, it talks about the woman, the church, the bride of Christ, fleeing into a wilderness where God has a place prepared for her for 1,260 days. So many believers 
will be living in safe places of the earth. But God will call out his special, whether they're the 144,000 in the end time or, or more. I think there's more. God will call out ones who want to witness, who want to be on the front lines. Yes. So there will be safe places and there will be frontline soldiers during this period. So no, we're not called to wrath. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> he that believes the sun shall not see wrath. Mm-hmm. It's so clear. But we are called to tribulation to purify us. And the big difference between the great tribulation and the wrath of God, John, is that the judgments during the tribulation are actually chastisements upon the wicked, and they leave room for repentance. Although reading the last verse of Revelation chapter 9, it seems that not many do repent. But during the wrath of God, the judgments allow no room for repentance. Right, right. But I, I sort of think many will get saved in great tribulation because mm. as we will in, instruct many and do exploits. So mm-hmm. what's the purpose of exploits? It's like a miracle, mirah, look, to draw people to the man. But I guess we'll see when it happens. But mm. whatever it is, it's going to be a fruitful time for us and nothing to fear. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament, Psalm 92, verse 7, mm-hmm. says the Lord lets the wicked come to great power so he could destroy them forever. Mm-hmm. So Lord says, show the whole world how bad these people are. It's happened time and time again throughout history. Mm-hmm. David s- said, I've seen the wicked in great power spread himself like a green bay tree, Psalm mm-hmm. 37. Yet he passed away. Lo, he is not. I sought him. I could not find him. Mm-hmm. So throughout history, but this will be a final. Well, actually, there's a, one after at the end of millennium. But this will bring on, the wicked will be destroyed right there during the wrath of God. It'll lead us into 1,000 years of peace upon earth. Praise God. Where Jesus will be a benevolent dictator. Mm. It says here, rule the world with a rod of iron. Mm. We will enforce peace. We will not let weapons factories open up. You know, everything will be for agriculture, education. Mm. It'd be such a wonderful world. I can't wait for the day. I live in a war zone. I live where... Uh, I've, I've seen too much war, and I cannot wait for the day. And I understand the souls in Revelation 6 underneath the altar crying, How long, Lord, how long? In Revelation 22, it closes with the verse, Come quickly, Lord mm-hmm. Jesus. Even so, we look forward to this day. Mm-hmm. I can hardly wait for the day. Bringing you peace in the midst of the storm. You're listening to Nightlight. John, any advice how we can best prepare to not just survive the days ahead, but to stand strong and, as the title of your book says, to triumph in tribulation? I would say start living for Jesus all you can. It's not necessarily even finding an active church. I've noticed there's a shift in the churches, which I'm really happy about. Several big-time preachers saying, look, Sunday is not church. Real church happens on the Wednesday or Thursday night Bible study, small group studies where you get to know. I would say get into a group where you're accountable. Get active. During the early days of the Jesus Revolution and ancient Christianity, some Christians lived together to save money, invest more, and take those baby steps. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, verse 8, you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit right away. If you don't have Jesus in your life, get him in your life. Ask him into your heart. Receive the Holy Spirit and take steps witnessing, telling Mm -hmm. others about Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you want to strengthen your faith, tell others about Jesus. Yes. If you're not bold enough to do that, go and do something. Join, you know, distributing food, distributing clothing, helping the poor, take a mission trip, get involved. Take one step for Jesus 
and he takes more than two steps for you. I would say take baby steps and watch Jesus build your faith. John, before you go, a quick plug for your book. Yeah, you can look it up, Triumph in Tribulation, available on Amazon. The author is John Patrick, the first book I ever wrote, and the sales have gone good. And I think you'll find the book, many people, several people, actually I got good letters saying how it helped them to have a positive outlook towards the future and be less fearful. I mean, Jesus said at least, so Jesus or the Old Testament, New Testament combined says at least 360 times, fear thou not, for I am with mm-hmm. thee. Fear not, little flock, it's your father's. Be not afraid. Mm-hmm. Continually, the Lord is telling us not to be afraid. And Jesus said, himself said, when you see these final signs of the end, he said, Luke 21, I believe it is, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh, so leave should be joyful. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And Jesus said, John 15, 11, all these things have I spoken to you that your joy might be full. So yeah, find some fellow Christians, whether church or outside of church, and grow, grow together, and take steps for Jesus. Thank you so much, John Patrick. And you'll find the link to where you can order John's book from Amazon below. Also, the references to the scriptures that John shared with us on today's program. That's all for now. And I look forward to being back with you again soon for another Nightlight podcast. Until then, this is Chris Glynn saying, God bless and keep you. Bye for now.